The Oklahoma Sooners look like they're going to be a much tougher team heading into 2022. Why is that and what will it do for them on the football field? We'll talk about that on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation, and welcome to Locked On Sooners. Thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. We're free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube, so go subscribe to the channel over there and hit the notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. You can also read my work covering the Sooners over at thesoonerswire.com. And joining me is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref in Norman. Josh, what is up, my friend? What is going on? We are, again, getting awfully close, awfully, awfully close to football. I'm ready to kind of put some of that speculation season behind us. But before we do that, we've got comments out there about, hey, this Oklahoma team it's going to be, John, the type of team that's going to out-tough you, which, hey, we'll find out on the gridiron, but that's got to excite fans. Yeah, so first, you know, we had a great kind of video from uh, you know, SiriusXM. They had an interview with Brent Venables, and basically the theme of it was you can't practice soft and play hard. And that's been kind of one of the, the expectations out of this team in the offseason whether it's with Brent Venables coming back to Oklahoma and bringing Jerry Schmidt with him is this idea that they're going to increase the, the toughness and the attitude and just kind of create a whole cultural change, not just within the locker room and, and how guys relate to one another, how the coaches relate to the players, but just in, in their mentality. And I think that's kind of what's taking place. And then over on Soonersport.com, they've been, running these series called uh, the hurry up, which has been fantastic reads. If you haven't checked them out, a lot of really great quotes from the players over there. But today uh, they had McCade Mattire on there and they asked him, you know, how do you view the offensive line position after fall camp? And here's what he said. He said, as an O-line, we've done a good job of gelling during fall camp. It's a lot different than spring. We've had a lot more time to be together. I think we're doing a good job in general. Fall camp was a tough one. And I think we're going to out tough everyone out there, which I think like, First of all, I love the comment. He's not pulling any punches. Like he's already projecting this is going to be the toughest team on their like no matter who they face this year, they're going to be the toughest team on the field. I think that's a welcomed idea and a welcomed identity for Oklahoma Sooners fans as they look forward to watching this team in 2022. You know, one thing that Teddy Lehman on our radio station, the ref, has talked a lot about, not not this offseason, just over the course of off seasons, reflecting back on his playing career at Oklahoma was the off season with Schmitty was always the hardest part, right? The, the off season workouts with your teammates, that was what made, well, Hey, the football season's fun. Th- this part's easy. We, we get to go play and win football games. So you're hearing a little bit of Oklahoma. Now, again, it, we're at that point to where it's talking season's just about done, which Thank you very much for that. And we're going to find out, do the results match up with some of what we've been hearing right here, which is McCabe Mattaglia saying, hey, we we feel like we can out-tough 
the rest of these opponents on our schedule because of, again, what they've gone through, John, this offseason, the confidence that they have that, okay, what Coach Schmidt put us through in the strength and conditioning program, we've been put through the ringer. Fall camp, what that looked like for us, okay, we've been put through the ringer. Now, we're going to find out, again, as I've said time and time again, I think right here on this platform, it's going to be about how do second halves play out for Oklahoma? What do fourth quarters look like for Oklahoma? And just talking specifically about that offensive line, McCade, Mattire, and all of his buddies up front, John, are they going to be able to push the pile late in games? Are they going to be able to put their imprint on a football game and turn a handoff to either Eric Gray, Marcus Major, Javante Barnes, Gavin Sanchuk, and can they go put games away when given that opportunity in the second halves, in the fourth quarters of games? That's where we're going to find out, right, about this this toughness from Oklahoma. I mean, yeah, it's going to be the entirety of a game, sure. I'd love to see Oklahoma be able to come out and turn and hand the football off 50 times, John, and not have to really drop back or throw it at all. I don't need that sizzle and flash in a football game. I'm cool with winning, you know, a physical football game if Oklahoma takes that route. But, again, it is those second halves where we kind of find out, is this is this how this thing's playing out? And that was one of the big criticisms of the Lincoln-Riley era is how they performed in second halves of football games. You can go all the way back to the Georgia game in 2017, but I feel like we saw that a lot in 2020 as well. I mean, Oklahoma had leads in games, and then either they lost the game or the game got way closer than anybody expected. And a lot of it was just due to – some of it was a little bit of conservative play calling on Lincoln-Riley's behalf – but maybe some of it was also just due to conditioning and toughness and just not being able to go a full four quarters with that same mentality. And some of it is like a, a mental conditioning as well. Just being able to say, we're going to be the toughest team on the field for 60 straight minutes. It's not going to matter. And it kind of harkens back. You mentioned Teddy Lehman and what it was like during his playing days. You know, David Walker, you know, my former co-host back during the 2020 season, he mentioned this, like when they played Texas A&M and David, he was a walk-on. So he kind of got in in the reserve role when they're in that 77 nothing beat down, but they're winning big. Bob Stoops kind of takes the foot off the gas and the offensive line doesn't score there on the goal line and they're not getting their pancake blocks, you know, and they had to go do a bunch of up downs the next game or during practice that week because they didn't reach their, their unit goal of pancake blocks or knockdown blocks. In a 77 to nothing football game, they still had to go do a bunch of up downs because they didn't reach their goal. Like that's a totally different mentality, right? Than what maybe we've seen out of this team where it was like just winning was good enough. You know, like we're close. We're a team that's we're, we're right there as opposed to like we just won 77 to nothing and your reward is you get to go do a bunch of up downs because of it. And so, yeah, I mean, I think this is just going to be a different mentality and a differently conditioned team where – they're just going to be looking to put guys teams away and absolutely punish them throughout a game, not be content winning by a score or winning by 10 points. Like I think this is going to be a team that if they don't really absolutely like throttle teams, they'll feel disappointed. I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen. I mean, this is a close conference and, and teams are going to be a lot closer, but like against Kansas, like if you're down 10, nothing at half this year, again, or you're in a close battle with Kansas, I mean, that's going to be a huge disappointment, I think. You know, uh, against, a, uh, I don't know, Nebraska even. Like, Nebraska is going to be better, but are they going to be so much better that you're playing another tight game? I don't necessarily think so. Like, these first two contests, like, I think they're going to be the real kind of litmus test for what this team looks like. If they're 
If they go out and they play a full four quarters and they just absolutely throttle UTEP and Kent State, I think that kind of gives us a good indication of what's going to happen because sometimes when you get those backups in, kind of the foot comes off the gas a little bit and you're not playing with the same you know level of energy, the same intensity. But if these guys come in and, and the intensity level stays maxed out at 100% and the effort and the energy does, then I think that's going to be a good sign for what's to come uh, under Brent Venables. You want an old school beatdown. I want an old school beatdown. Both of those games. I want one in Lincoln, Nebraska. I think mm-hmm. I, w- I want a statement win up there over Nebraska would be a great sign. And really, just given everything that kind of we've heard since Lincoln Riley decided to leave Oklahoma, man, this should be an Oklahoma football team that's very hungry, top to bottom, to do that, especially the guys, obviously, that aren't transfer portal additions for Oklahoma, but even those that are, the Dylan Gabriels of the world and the Jeffrey Johnsons up and down the roster. I don't have to list every single transfer portal name for you. You get the idea. Those guys have heard from their teammates, hey, man, this program got put in a bad spot at the end of last season, and it was sort of abandoned. Sort of abandoned. So based on that and the way that last season finished for Oklahoma and the fact that it was disappointing, man, I expect to see an OU team that, like you said, wants to keep its foot on the gas pedal and, quite frankly, embarrass UTEP in Kent State. I want to see that. And, you know, your your piece that you mentioned off the top from Brent Venables, I wish we had that audio that we could play for you right here, right now, but it was Brent Venables with Dusty Dvorak and uh, company Danny Cannell on Sirius XM to where basically Brent Venable said, look, we're practicing a physical brand of football because if you want to be that type of football team, you tackle to the ground. And, John, quite frankly, I think that that has burnt Oklahoma in the past without you know having been out to practice each and every single day over the last four or five years for Oklahoma football. You just kind of get the impression, especially the way that early in seasons played out for OU, the poor tackling I mean, remember a couple of years ago that OU and Texas went into that game in the Cotton Bowl, and those two teams were the two those two teams were the two worst tackling teams in all of college football. So that alone tells me that okay, you probably didn't practice tackling to the ground nearly enough before the season kicked off early. So I'm hoping that we do see that kind of change in physicality from Oklahoma. And it again, it's all connected with what McCabe Mattier said as well. And I think that's what played out in the spring game is that was the biggest thing that jumped off the field to me is this was a team that was team tackling and they were flying to the football and they weren't missing a bunch of tackles. And if the first guy missed, the second guy was just right there. It wasn't like the first guy missed and there was wide open space. Like they had a lot of people flying to the football. And I think that's going to be a huge difference is everybody's flying to the football. It's not just one guy. It's his responsibility. And so I think you're absolutely right. You practice tackling, you practice playing tough you're going to play tough in games. That's the old adage, right? From sports, like you practice hard so that the game is easy. And that's, I think what Brent Venables is going for. And I I mean, that's the mentality I remember through sports. Like you give it your, you know, 110%, you go, 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 go. You make it tough situations, tough environments. So that when you get into game situations, it's not surprising. It's easy. So I, I think that's going to be one of the keys as we look to the start of the season. Like, is this going to be a better tackling team? I think it's going to be. It's going to be vastly superior than what we've seen in the past. Just based on the spring game alone, I think it's going to be a much better tackling team. Coming up, we're going to talk about some players that we're really excited to watch in the opener and throughout the 2022 season on both sides of the football. Uh, But first, we're going to talk to you about NHTSA. 
you know, you're hanging out with some friends and you're putting back a few drinks, a few becomes a few too many as the evening comes to an end and people start to head out. You think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home. Okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And it, even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up, you lose your license, lose your job, total your car. Maybe you kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. And hey, we want to thank you again for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. Hey, while you're getting ready for the start of the college football season, make sure you go check out the Ultimate College Football Preview, a seven-episode preview with college experts, local team experts, and Oddity College Football Insiders. It's everything you need to be ready for the college football season in one spot. Search for Ultimate College Football Preview on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, Josh, we're going to talk players that we're excited to see. Let's start on the offensive side of the football. Who's a player that you're most looking forward to watching on that side of the game? Well, low-hanging fruit, quarterback, you know, obviously both of us could pick Dylan Gabriel. If I'm not going Dylan Gabriel, which, look, I, I am intrigued to see how he handles being the starting quarterback at the University of Oklahoma, and I think that's a not con- concern necessarily, but a – fair you know question to have to some degree it's like how's this guy gonna handle this everything I've seen has been uh has been terrific so far for Dylan Gabriel but you start getting into that Nebraska game and beyond can't wait to watch Dylan Gabriel beyond that man I want to see these young wide receivers the buzz that we're hearing coming out of camp I really want to you know lay my first set of eyes on Jaden Gibson on Nick Anderson see what these two young guys can do and then you know, I guess it's just the bright and shiny new toys factor for me, right? I want to see the two running backs as well. I want to see Javante Barnes. I want to see Gavin Sachuk. Yeah, so I'm going to go to the other end of the spectrum, and I'm going to go with one of the older guys on the team. That's Braden Willis, uh, a guy who has been in uh, H-back tight end rotation for the last couple of years. I think we saw from him last year, a little bit more of what he's capable of because he got some opportunities as a receiver. I mean, you look back at that Oklahoma State game, he makes a really nice catch in double coverage uh, towards the end of the game that, or sorry, in the second first half, second quarter, they got Oklahoma tied in that one. And I think he's got the capability of being a frontline starting tight end, not just in college, but at the NFL level because he's a really, really good blocker. And he's a good receiver. You can have him out on the field in all situations. And so I think we're going to see a breakout season from him. You know, last year for about the first four or five games of the season, he was pro football focus's highest graded tight end. Now he had minimal snaps, but a lot of it was due to his blocking ability. And so I'm excited to see what he's going to be able to do with a full complement of snaps at the tight end position. Yes, he's going to you know have Daniel Parker get some snaps as well. And we might see some Caden Helms and Jaden Llewellyn, or sorry, Jason Llewellyn, but I think we're going to see a, like a 75% snap share from Braden Willis because he's one, a veteran on the team, a reliable receiver and one of their best blockers. And so I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching him. Uh, the other thing is like, just who ends up starting at right tackle. I think that's still one of the big question marks and not one that we might necessarily answer before the season starts, but you know, we're hearing a lot of buzz out of, you know, from Wanya Morris and from Tyler Guyton, Tyler, both you know, Wanya Morris transferred in from Tennessee last year, Tyler Guyton, came in during the offseason. 
both have really strong athletic profiles and have, you know, some experience Guyton, he's still learning the offensive line position. So, you know, as we hear more positive things about him, I think that's really intriguing because I think he was a, a, a defensive end at first and then flipped the tight end for TCU and then started playing offensive tackle. So still learning the position kind of almost a little bit in that Lane Johnson mold, a little, you know, a guy that started off as a tight end and then became an offensive tackle. If he's got that same athletic ability, I mean, the sky's the limit for that kind of a guy. So I'm, I'm really excited to see how the, the right tackle spot in particular plays out on the offensive line. Flip into the defense, or was there another guy on offense that you'd like to talk about before we flip to the defense? Oh, I could toss so many names your way offensively and defensively, so we can shift over to defense. I would just, if there was one more name, probably like we've spent a lot of time this offseason talking about Theo Weiss, his return from health. I just think, you know, you've got that stardom from Marvin Mims. You feel like maybe you have that as well from Theo Weiss. So just seeing him early, you know, we he looked good in the spring game, but seeing him back up full speed early in the season, I think is going to be very, very important for Oklahoma. Okay, and then so on the defensive side, the guy I'm really looking forward to watching is Jeffrey Johnson. I think he's been the name I've been really pumping up a lot this offseason, in addition to like a Marcus Stripling. But I'm really intrigued to like see what a legit defensive tackle, a nose tackle type can be in this defense. You know, he's a 330-pound guy. We haven't had that. I mean, we've had you know the 300-pound defensive tackles like the Neville Gallimores, the Jalen Redmonds, the Perrion Winfrey's, but a legit hole plugger, a guy that – going to just take up a ton of space what's that going to do for the linebacker crew i mean that's going to make things so much easier for them i I, that's the guy for me that i'm really really intrigued to see how that impacts the rest of the defense it's a good point yeah we just haven't seen a lot of that over these last couple of seasons at oklahoma man just based on again kind of some of the buzz coming out of camp similar to the offensive you know youngsters that we talked about for me I want to see what that progression looks like for Billy Bowman based on all of the buzz that we're, we're hearing out of camp. And then the other name is also in the secondary that I want to get to see a little bit more of. And it's Justin Harrington in part because of the story, right? It sets itself up to be made for TV kind of stuff with Justin Harrington, where he's here all of a sudden a year ago during the spring, well, a year and a half ago now during the spring, he's making all this noise. And it sounds like he's going to be one of the most talented players in Oklahoma's secondary. And then lo and behold, midway through last season, he just ups and leaves, quits playing football. And essentially based on what we've kind of heard out there, John really kind of had to come crawling back to OU. Not that he didn't have other opportunities out there, but he felt like the opportunity again that he wanted to pursue was at the University of Oklahoma. And it wasn't just, hey, let me reach out to Jay Valai and Brandon Hall and Brent Venables, and all of a sudden I'm back at OU. No, he had to really, really apply for membership in this exclusive Oklahoma football club to get back in. And then, you know, you fast forward to right now in Harrington, you know, the way Brent Venables is talking, John, he's going to start somewhere for Oklahoma. He's going to play a lot for OU in their defensive backfield. That is an amazing story. And I just can't wait to see it because again, he's somebody that that six foot three frame, when you start thinking about guys in the defensive backfield, boy, that is really, really exciting. When you start, you know, thinking, talking about matching up with a tight end or those bigger body type wide receivers to have somebody back there like a Justin Harrington could be huge, could be huge for OU. Yeah, it's really intriguing to, to hear all the guys that, 
that they're excited about that were part of this team last year, but for some reason or another, just it wasn't working. You know, it wasn't fitting. Whether it's Billy Bowman, you know, like albeit a true freshman, you know, just a very up and down season for him last year, having to play multiple positions, and then Justin Harrington. So who knows what was going on mentally that had him walk away from the program, but we know Theo Weiss was going to transfer out. We know Marvin Mims was going to transfer out. There seemed to be just a lot of like disconnect between the players and the coaching and what they wanted going on, or, or there just wasn't a great vibe altogether. And Justin Harrington might be the, like the comeback player of the year for Oklahoma now based on what we're hearing. So that's a, a really, really great choice, a, a really intriguing pick. Now we're going to turn the page a little bit. We got more rankings, more preseason tiers. ESPN put out their 1 to 131 rankings, but they did so in kind of a tiered format. You know, the top tier, you could probably guess it, Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia. But Oklahoma comes in in that second tier of teams along with Notre Dame, Michigan, and Clemson. So, Josh, any surprise to you on that? Well, no surprise. So here's what they called the the – Front tier, tier number one, right? Uh, sorry, mom, the mob has spoken. It's the clear favorites, and it's Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State. No surprise there. We know that. And then the next tier, which Oklahoma was in, how quickly we forget with Clemson, Michigan, Notre Dame. That's probably the right group, John, for Oklahoma to be with right now. I don't know. I mean, I think you'd have to really be wearing the crimson and cream shades at least going in. Not saying Oklahoma can't get there. Or that, you know, like one of these two teams, or excuse me, one of these three teams at the top, I can see where Georgia takes a step backwards. I think that obviously Bryce Young and Alabama, they've got maybe the best quarterback in the country. I think Ohio State with C.J. Stroud, with uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, with Travion Henderson, they might have the best quarterback. They might have the best wide receiver. They might have the best running back. So I understand why Ohio State is kind of in that tier. Georgia We'll see. I mean, they're going to be replacing a lot of talent. They might be closer to the Clemsons, Michigans, Notre Dames, and Oklahomas of the world than maybe we're thinking. And, and probably one of those teams, just based on the history of college football, even in this college football playoff era, John, probably one of those four names right there in that second tier might be Oklahoma is going to be somebody that, that leaps up and gets into that other tier and uh, ultimately becomes a college football playoff participant. I find Oklahoma – at least the way that they're viewed nationally to be very, very interesting because this is a team where no preseason, you know, all Americans, wherever you look, at least first teamers. And yet they're still pretty much considered a top 10 team in the preseason, a team that is one of the favorites to win the big 12 could on the outside, potentially a, a dark horse for the college football playoff. Even though they're so highly ranked, it gives me kind of 2000 vibes a little bit in that nobody's really expecting them to contend for a national title. A lot of that's due to the strength at the top. A lot of people don't may, may not even expect them to win the big 12, but they're still a top 10 team in the preseason. Now, again, preseason polls don't matter. A lot of it's going to matter what they put on the field, but I think most people in general think this is going to be a pretty good football team. And so I, I, I kind of come to this, this spot or I came to this pot, spot today where I'm like, well, why not Oklahoma? Like, I mean, yes, they've got a lot of questions to answer. But I think heading into that 2000 season, nobody expected what came out of that, right? I mean, it, they were an unranked team and then just week by week, you know, established themselves and solidified their, their spot in the Big 12 hierarchy. And 
began making themselves a national contender, got big wins throughout the season that legitimized them as a national title contender. I mean, we get to November and say Oklahoma beats Baylor and maybe they're undefeated at that point. I think you're going to have to start having that conversation. Like is Oklahoma for real now? A lot of it's going to depend on what happens in the college football playoff. But I mean, if they're winning games convincingly, it's going to be hard not to get on that. Okay. Oklahoma might have a chance this year, kind of a bandwagon. And it's kind of this weird spot that we're in. Cause we're right now we're in this place where we talked about it on yesterday's show where, you know, a, a good season would be winning the big 12, making the college football playoff, but even still a good season would just be winning the, the big 12 and making a new year six bowl, which kind of seems a little bit underwhelming. Like that's kind of the expectation a little bit. And so I almost wonder if like, we're, we're still kind of sleeping on Oklahoma a little bit too much and they might end up surprising us down, you know, towards the end of the season and might become a legitimate national title contender. Yeah. I mean, so much of that is just, I think going to depend on how much progress defensively, how quick, Right. And Oklahoma at times over the last decade has played some really good defense. The win at Ohio State certainly comes to mind in that regard. Uh, Alex Grinch, what, had one top 35, I think, scoring defense. So, I mean, that's kind of about it for Oklahoma. So how fast can that come along for OU? And if the answer is that Brent Venables pushes all the right buttons, to get Oklahoma trending as a top 25, top 20 type defense, then, yeah, I mean, probably we're talking about Oklahoma's going to wind up being a college football playoff team and a national championship, a legitimate national championship contender. But, again, there's just so much unknown in the production department for Oklahoma. And quite quite truthfully, you know, some of the recent history, especially defensively, has not been good for Oklahoma. So, We'll see. We'll see how this thing plays out week by week. How they win is going to be important too, John, in terms of when do we, you know, we got asked the question, Plank and I did yesterday or the day before on radio, when will you know that Oklahoma is that national championship contender? And, you know, honestly, it might be as soon as Nebraska, depending on how that game plays out. Probably more likely it's a little bit later on, like the Texas game, when you know, and just the accumulation of all of those games right John like I hate to be cliche and boring in that respect but you know hey it's gonna be hard to go win at Nebraska it's gonna be hard to beat K-State at home TCU going to TCU we'll see how good they are but I don't think that's any just little walk in the park they've got some NFL talent on that roster with Johnston particularly Texas same thing so if you can get through all of those games and we look up and Oklahoma's won most of those games fairly convincingly unlike last season where it honestly felt like, oh, you probably should have lost a couple of games in their 9-0 start. Well, then, yeah, what you're talking about there where it's, you know, are they not getting enough respect? Should we take them more seriously as a national championship contender? I think we'll – I mean, well, we're about to start getting the answers to these questions, but it could be very quickly with just the way that they win. Yeah, and I think that's what I'm looking for is how they win. And if they can win convincingly – up to or through the Baylor game, that's kind of when I'll start to be able to convince myself that like, this is a different team because I mean, last year when nine and had the big win over Texas had huge, you know, wins over TCU and Texas tech. And then it all kind of came you know, crashing down against Baylor. And then they struggled against Iowa state offensively, even though they won that game and then again, struggled against Oklahoma state. And so I think if they can get through that Baylor game, 
and we had a really strong offensive performance over what should be a really good defense again this year, then I'll probably feel a lot more comfortable about where this team is going to head in 2022. Hey, that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening to the show. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We're like 40 subscribers away from 2,500. That's our goal before the start of the 2022 season, which is 10 days away now. So make sure you go and check out the show over on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel. Hit the notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. But until next time, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. We'll catch you then. Boomer Sooner.